Welcome to the Too Much Dip Podcast. It's Monday. My name's Dave. I'm here in Austin, Texas at the Wash Media Studios. For now, joining me via the internet, live from Coppell, Texas, right? Live and in color. Hey, KJ. What's up? What up, Digital Dave? We're e-podcasting. It's a digital pod. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan's sick. Did you know that? Dylan's got a little bug. Uh, not a bug. You know, you bug refers to like stomach bug, right? Like bug means butt problems, I think generally, or or coming out the top. He's just sick. He's got fever. It's not I'm gonna hip him again for the second time today. Big HIPAA guy. Uh non-COVID related illness, non-flu related illness, uh, via testing. Okay. I figured maybe it was uh you know, I don't know if you ever had this situation. Me, as somebody who's inclined to enjoy a lot of candy, you know, if you let if your parents let you go like Buck Wild and Halloween candy, and you find out the hard way the next day, like, hey, you know, I probably shouldn't have eaten all those dots. Like your stomach hurt for a little longer than four to six hours. I figured he was just suffering from just like all the heat radiating from uh, Bay's bachelorette party's uh, Instagram story and his tum tum. It just hurt from all that candy that's a real possibility. I bet, I bet seeing those pictures and the, and just the FOMO and everything really suppressed his immune system, probably made him more susceptible to illness. Um, as a guy who was with Dylan Saturday, because he, uh, told everybody he invited over to watch the masters that it was just allergies. Um, I, in, in his defense, allergies have been awful and I believed him cause mine were bad. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm going through it, brother. Um, but <laughs> It turns out he texted yesterday. He's like, yeah, it's not allergies. It's uh, we are beyond. So there, that's always a tough situation. I uh, vividly remember botching like my first post-grad, like ask a person that you meet at the bar out for drinks, dinner, happy hour situation. It was like Cinco de Mayo and your boy fully succumbed to like, sinus infection, allergies, thought I was going to be able to fight through it. And I was just sitting at the table trying to pound margs while like wiping salt into my eyes that were just puffy and red and crying. I'm like, this is, this is miserable for us both. I look like hitch. In high school, I could power through it. In college, I could power through it. Realized very quickly in my twenties, like if I'm not feeling it, there's no point in trying to power through it. I'm not going to have a good time. I'm going to be concerned. I've got like, you know, runny nose. My eyes look terrible. People are going to think I'm on drugs. Just stay home. Stay home, stay safe as uh, many outdated profiles on the social medias probably still say. Also Dr. Fauci. (sighs) RIP question mark. Um, Is he alive? He's alive. He's he's still doing it. I'm sure. But like, I feel like if we say it preemptively, you know, shouts our good buddy, Jake, this is kind of a pre-memoriam, if you will. Like if we pre-RIP people enough, when they actually pass, like we will know that it's a genuine send-off. Um, and again, hat tip to Jake Kemp for that thought. Um, but I'm down for it. So RIP, Dr. Fauci. This is... Um, <laughs> people are confused. This is one of the weirdest parts of the sports calendar. And by weird, I don't mean bad. 
because you're dealing with timelines just filled with so many different emotions, people in the middle of playout playoff runs, people in the middle of season starting and optimism abound people over tweeting about prospects in baseball that are pitching their first innings. Name names. Jack lighter shouts few few strikeouts in his uh, debut up in Frisco. You know your boys keeping track of it via the Twitter space. One earned. Um but you combine all of that with the magic that is Twitter Masters weekend and it was a real as Brett would say choose your own adventure on the TL this weekend. It was um there's the Masters is one of those events that lends itself to volume shooting and Mm -hmm. average tweets. And I'm guilty of this average tweets that you probably otherwise would holster. You throw them out there because you know, they're going to do okay. Probably more than okay. Um, I thought this year was relatively, at least on the weekend tame. And it was probably because uh, the big cat was, you know, nowhere near the front page of the leaderboard. And the leaderboard we did have with the exception to the run that Rory made, we'll get to that in a little bit was not really the most memeable. Yeah. Like Scotty Scheffler, nice, nice guy. I think most people are like, Oh yeah, good dude. Happy. He won. That's, that's really cool. He's obviously the best player in the world, but not the most memeable until I guess until he got to Butler cabin, we'll get to that in a minute, but. Yeah, his his uh, proclivity to both jacket on and jacket off throughout the course okay. really is about the only thing people can mean. Sure. My ongoing thought, not having visually connected, this is Scotty Scheffler with the name Scotty Scheffler because his rise has been absolutely incredible over the past few months. I'm sure you'll explain to us in a minute. But would you say that he is the, it might be a height thing, I don't know, most mature or oldest looking 25-year-old <laughs> In sports right now. Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about it. He is a, he is a full grown adult. He's been a full grown adult for about 15 years. If I had to guess, um, (laughs) even if, even at like the university of Texas, if you look at those photos when he hadn't like completely filled out, I mean, he, he looked like he was about to go pick his kid up from T-ball. Older or younger cousin, Greg, Greg, the egg. Actor played by, or Greg Hirsch played by Nicholas Braun, um, or Scotty Scheffler. Ooh, um, I'm going to guess that cousin Greg is 29 years old. Okay. So you're guessing a spread of four years. Uh, you're four years short. He is 33. Wow. And I would say that Scotty Scheffler looks almost eight years older than he does. And maybe obviously a lot of that's his character that he plays in the show is meant to be so green and immature, but again, just looks alone. Uh, Scotty Scheffler. I don't know. Maybe it's just being at Augusta. Something just looks regal AF about walking the greens of Augusta. Well that, but also like golf attire, even cool modern golf attire, it ages you like any dude wearing a golf polo and a hat, they immediately add like four years to their actual age. Um, and so, yeah, you put, 
I mean, Scotty Nike did not give him the A list, um, or the you know the of of their of their shirts because I mean the shirt that he won the Masters in that blue stripe, as a brick, he bricked his Sunday Masters fit. I'll say it. Uh, Rory was in something similar, right? Didn't Rory have a stripe situation going on? Did he? I can't. I thought I'm imagine, I'm envisioning white in my head, but I could be wrong. No, I mean that's just his his pale north uh, northern irish demeanor uh oh you know what he had it no he had a patterned polo um it was just it was it, it's a better polo than what scotty had on i know it's a it's a subjective argument but it's a it's better well, i want to commend you on two things and we'll get to the my excitement of watching and tracking individual players here in a little bit but Ever since your comment of uh, golf fans dressing as if they're actually going to be hitting the driving range and or playing that day, it was absurd to watch and then just try to pick out of the crowd. Like there'd be a handful of guys who look like, you know, hey, they walked right out of the country club straight to the front rope, um, you know, especially towards 18. You know that there's VIPs that are like ushered to their positions. And then there'll be female observers who are, you know, they stand out a because they're women, but B because they're not dressed like they're about to play golf. That'd be you. Cause you're, you love observing females at golf tournaments. Uh, yes. There were some strong calves available to be seen. Um, but the entire gallery was just crisscross with like, I get it, man. You don't need to go full throwback. Hardaway Jersey, like you're preparing to walk the grounds of ACL for three days. It's a long, like it's a long day. You definitely need to be performance poloed up moisture wicking for sure. I get it being prepared for wind, rain, whatever, but you don't need to look like you're also about to, you know, go straight from the boardroom to the biblioteca via like every mock turtleneck that you've seen on the course that week. Yeah, I, I get it. And like, I, I, I grappled with this at the match play because I'm like, man, I just don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to look like every other dude. I don't know. Right. I don't know why I feel like I want, I want to stand out a little bit. And I've worn a t-shirt to the Dell match play before. And I wore a short sleeve button down, which not a traditional golf shirt still has a collar. I think if I was at the masters, if I remember lucky enough, like if I'm, if I'm a Dylan Shivery type who just goes to the masters, I will probably wear a golf polo. Just because it's such, it's the Masters. It's Augusta National. I know it. The, it's a little bit full of itself, but I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy rocking like a, a Tyler Sagan graphic tee, like as like Rory chips in or something. They're not letting you inside anywhere. Like you're going to the facilities and whatever outdoor setups that they have. It's not like you're going through. You know, maybe they have hospitality buildings and things set up, but I would imagine a large majority of these people are hitting the gates, hitting the grounds, and then whatever outdoor bathroom slash, you know, concession stand situation they've got going on. So, you know, uh, I would say the next bit I want to see, do what I hate about the waste management tour. I want to see somebody in the old Jack Del Rio Reebok certified air approved sweat resistant full suit at the masters. Like if you're going to go corporate, let's go all out. I love that. It's in casual at the next masters. So this is from a, a website generic 
Um, this is the dress code for patrons at the Masters. At the Masters, most patrons dressed in dress in golf casual attire, including collar shirts and long pants or golf shorts. We recommend to dress like you are playing. <laughs> well, there you have it. Keep in mind, there are a couple of items that are not permitted to wear at the Masters. Denim and golf shoes with metal spikes. Well, there goes my fit. Oh, okay. I was going to wear some uh, Michael Johnson gold track spikes. <laughs> Just get some calf workouts in the whole time. <laughs> Dude, Dallas is on, Michael Johnson. Well, okay, let's shift to what actually happened. Um, Walk me through your experience of not only, we'll get to the fact that you picked Scotty, but your excitement and rooting interests and how things paid off for you the weekend, over the weekend. I feel a little bit dirty, mainly because as Saturday progressed and it looked like Scotty was, or he was, running away with it, I found myself rooting for a double here and there, a melt, not a complete collapse because I don't, I don't dislike Scotty, but selfishly as a viewer, I'm looking for some action boss. I want, I want some heat on Sunday and uh, in Cam Smith's defense, he gave us heat early on. He got it to one stroke and I was kind of pulling for Cam only because, well, A, I like him. Um, He's, the thought of him in Butler cabin is hilarious. <laughs> and I know like the, the kind of crazy mullet, you know, trashy mustache bit might be overplayed. And in, in some areas he's Australian, it just, it works. I don't care. I don't care how much of a gimmick it is. It's a good gimmick. He's a, you know, he's kind of a ratty little guy, but he's a, he's an absolute dog. You don't, you don't want to be head up against him. And I was like, you know what? I, I love this dude. What was that? I was dog, but sorry, I, I played a little slow. Oh, that was good. Um, not quite as good as your Taco Bell Bell, but still really can't good. Them. Can't win them all. But, yeah, that, that was it. So I, I spent Sunday kind of hoping for something to happen. And then when Scotty, when Scotty chipped in on three, I believe it mm-hmm. was, then I was like, you know what? That's, just, that's your signature shot. That's, that's the moment we'll remember. This isn't, you know, this is not going to be you just going out there and making 18 pars and winning the masters. Like you, you had some shots and, and, and he had many more, his irons were freaking dialed. Uh, it was insane to see. He's a smart player, uh, well beyond his years, which again goes to him being like a a 38 year old man who's played Augusta. (laughs) I mean, I think that's his third time playing there in a tournament. Um, just hats off Highland Park zone. Good local kid uh, gone good, KJ. I, I would say that um, there was enough twi- enough Twitter talk about uh, small town, you know, hard luck kids from Highland Park. I won't beat that into the ground today, but I do have the question of, is it fair to say that something about the pathway of growing up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which is popular for numerous reasons, temperate climate, taxes obviously but the ability to play golf 10 months out of the year realistically maybe more um but coming up in this area and then going to ut austin similar to what we've seen from spieth and another person who i can't name uh how much of it do you think is just natural gifts versus like the path he took has helped kind of create this monster um this is a cop-out answer but it's a combination 
he obviously has the physical, the physical tools. I know. So I, I have a tweet from like a year or two ago about it's, it's referencing a, a quote from his coach at the uh, university of Texas who mentioned that Scotty, he literally said Scotty had a lot of adversity and one of them was that, you know, he was at the business school at UT, which is a notoriously hard school to get into. And so he had that going against him. And then also um, he grew a lot. He got real tall. And I, I've just found that so funny. I'm like, damn, dude, how did he ever, how did he get here? How did he not turn to a life of crime? Um, <laughs> and that makes me think that, you know, I don't know if he was an average-sized kid growing up, but he probably learned the game one way. And then when he grew, and he's a tall, lanky guy, which is a great build for golf because he has a long swing, um, and he has great feel, which is intangible. Um, he's he's just a specimen, like, for, for the game. And he was a beast at UT. Now, having the the means to be a member at Royal Oaks in Dallas and probably who and, and his, you know, give his parents credit. They invested in him. I think that there was a they did take out take out a second mortgage or something. I think I heard something like that to let him go play these tournaments and invest in him. Um, that's pretty cool. I might be conflating a tiger story with Scotty, but still, they they definitely like backed him and his parents seem like good people and he seems like a good guy. But yeah, obviously, like it's a lot easier when you have the means to to be at a country club working on your game every day. Would you say that? Or let me back up and rephrase this. It looked like me to me, a casual viewer who watches very little to you know an occasional tournament here or there. He doesn't seem to have any like pace of play issues whatsoever. If anything, he might play relatively fast. Like not talking, you know, we can get to the four putt if we want to talk about that. But like throughout the day, he always seemed to see a shot, approach a shot, hit a shot. And things worked out almost exactly how he wanted them to. And then it, I don't know if it's just kind of narrative for me, but it seemed like Cam Smith's downfall towards the end of the day on Sunday or uh, implosion began to maybe like affect his pressure a little bit. Like, he seemed to be level-headed, and he sees Cam Smith falling apart. He started taking a little bit longer on his shots, and things not really fell apart, but wavered towards the end. I don't think I don't think Cam had his A game on the weekend at all. Um, yeah. I know that might be crazy to say because he got it to one stroke. He came out birdie, birdie, right? He's um, finished, what, 68 and started at 68 on the week, so. Yeah, and I – I think you could sense that in Cam that like he knew like, okay, this, uh, I don't have it necessarily, but, and, and that's a tough course to not have it on as, as he learned. Um, you did kind of see him look a little bit like he was laboring or just kind of have that look of like not complete confidence. And and you've seen him have that. Like, and if you go back and watch like the president's cup, um, he's normally a pretty confident guy out there. Um, which is funny because he has a, a, a ratty mullet and a terrible stash, which I just absolutely fucking love. But Scotty, dude, Scotty, he just, he looks cool as cool as a cucumber, as my mom would say. My mom's never said that. Somebody's mom <laughs> said that. And then that, that quote he had afterward that he was crying the morning of, cause he was so stressed out. Did you see that? Yeah, that, that hit pretty real. Like, 
You nobody wants to see their dad cry. But nobody ever, <laughs> but nobody, I shouldn't say nobody. Think of the most recent stars we have in golf right now. Over the last, like John Rom doesn't have the personality to admit something like Has that. Has never cried. You know, he, he'd be like, yeah, I cried into my fiance or wife's like bosom. You know, he might say that because she looked great after we won. He was mosting. Brooks isn't saying that. He's like, I didn't think about it until I showed up and, you know, hit the range. Bryson's not saying that. Like, to get that kind of pivot from, like, the angle we've been going with some of our recent golf stars, I thought that was tremendous. Like, that, if anything, kind of brought him back down to earth for me to be, like, excited to root for the rest of the year. Not like I had anything against him, but it was just, you know. Uh, it gave me something personal to be like, okay, great. This sets him aside, aside from being freakishly tall and looks older than he is. Yeah. You know, um, I feel, I, I almost, I felt bad yesterday as I was learning more about Scotty and like just hearing him talk. I was like, man, why was I rooting for his demise? <laughs> like he's a Dallas kid. Everybody thinks I should be rooting for him. And I did pick him, but that's you know crazy. I picked the number one player in the world to to win the tournament right. or to play well. Uh, but- uh, let's. I didn't realize watching Rory on Sunday that his comeback was so historic, or that his round was historic. I shouldn't. I should say. Uh, I was so dialed in on like explaining to uh, my Siga like just the difference in purse that he would have had when his day started to where he finished, like went out there and made himself like $1.3 million in that day. Um, and then, you know, the same thing for Colin Morikawa. Obviously I was invested in watching Morikawa uh, have a hell of a day because he was one over coming into the day. But when I saw that Rory's round eight under was a record, I guess I just did not, I wasn't tracking it. Maybe I didn't have the volume up on the TV. That's pretty typical for me. Just did not realize the magnitude of what he was doing. So you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. Cause I feel like he's always been, he's always struggled, at least in my recollection with the master with Augusta. Well, you know, like a decade ago, he had a, he had a significant lead going into Sunday and he shot like 80 or 81. Right. And he was still kind of a kid then. And since then he's been chasing it. I think Rory has, thank you, Kyle Porter, CBS, six top tens at the masters over the last decade. But I know that that sounds great, right? A lot of guys would kill for that. But that a lot of that is in the joke on Twitter, when the pressure's off, when he can't win, yeah, he'll go out there on Sunday and, and go low and backdoor top 10. Uh, and yesterday, it was pretty evident. He was playing free. Uh, 60 to, to do that and then that sand shot, which by, we'll get to CBS in a minute, how they absolutely botched the call of that. Uh, was awesome. And I was honestly pulling, I was trying to figure out a way in my head. I'm like, all right, what does Scotty have to do? Obviously he's at the time, I think he was three strokes up. He was at 10 under Roars at seven. Like, I'm like, all right, where, where is there a double? And then a couple bogeys in there somewhere. And, and, you know, I think he was about to play 12 and he played 12 about as well as you can uh, mm-hmm. just middle of the, Oh no, he didn't. He, fu- he came over the top and pulled hooked him. Right. He finished left of the green. Is that he was not- way left. He went long and left cam. I'm, forgetting because cam chunked one i don't know what he did i don't know that was that was terrible but anyway um no that was cool to see and then the moment with with morikawa it made Mm -hmm. it it made the tournament as a whole a little bit more cool and and memorable because 
A, you had that historic round, and then you had just both of those guys hoeing out from the bunker and, like, being excited for each other and the crowd going crazy. And that was just a cool moment. Like, yeah, these guys aren't – they're not going to win, but that was that was fun. That was kind of like golf at its best. Who was playing with Shane Lowry? Ooh, oh. Because you didn't see him. And so I was – Corey Connors, maybe? Canada's own? I just didn't see whoever he was playing with and Lowry was lurking and, you know, had his chance and they showed him a ton on Saturday and it just wasn't there for him. Obviously, you know, with what Scheffler did, it wasn't there for a lot of people, but we saw so much of Rory and Morikawa with what they were doing. I guess maybe he's playing with Matsuyama. No, it wasn't Matsuyama because we saw him finish earlier. Uh, I was happy that we saw that. What I'm getting at is, Without Rory or without Colin Morikawa doing what they did on Sunday, think of how bad of a watch this might have been. Even watching how great Scotty's day would have been, it would have dragged. You would have just been watching a bunch of Lowry trying, Cam Smith imploding. It, I don't think it would have been nearly as a compelling of a day. You needed that second, third, and third story just to prop things up in between great moments. Agree. Um I think, so what did CBS do? Because I missed this. So Rory, you know, Rory's at six under playing 18 and, you know, he puts his approach shot into the bunker and what little hope he had. You're like, Oh, well, he's going to par. That's 65 though. That's or yeah. 65. That's a great round or 60, 66. And they're showing Scotty on the green. And I, I don't remember what hole they were on. I, I want to say 11, 10 or 11, but, uh, you hear the roar and this is the second roar you'd I'd heard a, a roar previously and it was for Rory. It was like, it sounded like a tiger roar out there. I know that's cliche to say, but that's, I was like, what else are they going to be roaring? There's either a, an ACE uh, on 16 or Rory just did something. So you hear that. I look down my master's app, I'm getting updates and I see that Rory finished and he finished uh, at eight under. I'm like, Holy shit. He made that. Yep. And then the coverage keeps going for a minute. And then Nance and Faldo, they're like, oh, uh, something happened on 18. And and I, I can't remember specifically, but he says like, oh, maybe something special. I don't want to spoil it. And I'm thinking, dude, unless show it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And like if I'm if I if I was somebody at home just casually watching without the Masters app and I genuinely didn't know what happened. When they say that, I'm like, oh, I guess Roy hold out. Well, there goes that moment for me. Like, because most people probably aren't watching it, like, glued to their phones because they're in, like, six different pools that they lost money in, all of them, me. And it was just a botch, and, and Faldo talked over it. And it was just like, dude, how do you screw this moment up? This is awesome. Even if, like, which they often know what's going to happen before they show the shot, you could at least act feign excitement, right? Like, be like, let's go back over to 18. Rory's finishing a tremendous day, you know, approach shot to the bunker, whatever. I agree. I was one of those people who was not watching the Masters app, you know, apologies to myself and my thumb zone, but I did have Twitter open at the time, which is dumb on my part, you know, because I already know live sports, you're bound to get an F up. And I got one or two all caps, Rory or holy shit, McElroy, like tweets on the timeline. And then it shows. And then I see her tweet like, oh, I wonder if something spectacular happened or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was in the same position. And I'm watching that. 
And I think like an idiot, I hit rewind or CBS jumped back to Scotty Scheffler or they kept showing the replay because then you don't even get to see Colin Morikawa shot live. I don't think. No, like they didn't show that. And no. so obviously me having picked Morikawa, like I was like, okay, I'm hitching my interest here. Was excited to see it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, shit, dude, you blew it back to back times. Like I didn't see it happen unfold. Like as they were lining it up back to back times, like, that was crushing. I'm sure Cam Smith had something to do with it, but I didn't need 50 seconds of him like backing people up off the office shot, you know, uh, out of the rough. Instead, you know, we got that as opposed to the sand shots. Well, real quick question. Typically, would whoever's Roy, would they then just walk up to the clubhouse or to the scores, you know, whatever? Or would they wait on the other person that they were finishing playing with whenever it's 18 at the masters? Like he has this big moment. Do they typically exit stage? So this other guy can have their moment or do they usually wait and congratulate them before walking off together? Are you talking about cam Smith? Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about Rory pulling out. Oh no. Yeah. You wait for your playing partner to finish. That's, that's okay. bad. That's, that would be really bad etiquette. And every, everybody would be talking about it. Like, Oh, what happened there? So yeah, okay. you wait, you wait, then you do the hat off, handshake, caddy handshake, walk out of there, go sign your scorecard. Right. And and I guess I was just I wasn't sure if it was a situation where like, yes, of course you wait on the guy, but at the same time, is it allowing them to have the full stage themselves? But I guess you would create a situation where if he left, like if that's Tiger and he finishes and whoever's, you know, Louis finishing right behind him the fucking gallery is going to be dispersing all around Louis. So like, it'd be terrible if he did that. So that makes sense. Okay. But cause I did think it was incredible television to see Rory McIlroy, his caddy, I believe just as excited for Morikawa as anybody was. Yeah. Like, they're buddies. They apparently travel together week to week. Um, That's awesome. So that was cool. Um, and in CBS, you know, normally you cut you cut the network some slack because it's like, dude, golf is hard as hell to cover, right? But at that point, there were two storylines. It was Scotty and Cam, and Rory, and mm-hmm. it's to not be prepared for that. It's a little wild. And then CBS had another thing, which wasn't that big of a deal. But so Amanda, it's now Amanda Renner, formerly Amanda Balionis, yep. and she's great. But she interviewed Tiger after his round, and. After that, they show Tiger go hug his family, and you can hear it. There's a hot mic, and he's saying, "Oh, I told I told Sky Sky Sports, but not CBS." And so everybody's like, "What told him what?" And he did an interview with Sky Sports, and they they asked him like, "Are you going to play anymore this year?" Oh, and he said, "Yeah, I'm playing the Open Championship, and we'll see about the PGA. I'm going to try," which is a big scoop, and you know, to not you know for CBS not to ask that. I understand you don't want to be completely pushy, but like that's tough that Sky Sports got that and they didn't. To ask Tiger, will you will we see you anymore this year? Or how are you feeling? Do you feel like you I, could be back? Like I feel like that's a softball question. That, you know what? You're right. That that's in bounds. Like I know he just finished and his body probably feels awful. Um, I don't know how much that's, of him you watch, but he there was times where I was like, dude, he's withdrawn. He's not playing tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you could have easily framed it with a I know you had an ice bath or two this weekend already. I'm sure there are many more in the future. When do you think we'll see Tiger out there again? I love see you. 
I love him talking about how he hates how the, the ice baths suck. And I'm like, dude, there's no way you hate those. This is like your dream. You're like a real legitimate athlete. You're like doing probably a Wim Hof breathing and you're getting into the zone and you're just getting in there. You live for this shit. This is you. Just jamming Lincoln Park going full numb the whole time. That's what I do uh -huh. when I ice bath. Lastly, I do want to, uh, we talked about the amount of Rory tweets I saw on the TL. Uh, shockingly few Colin tweets in all caps that followed up the amount of Rory McElroy celebrations on the TL. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I also see you. Uh, Colin, justice, you want justice for Colin? Justice for Colin, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that'd be a terrible Nike-like hashtag to uh, co-opt. They might get some questions. Um and I do think we should commend you and recognize you for just an absurd amount of success. We all picked fairly chalk, you know, during our draft of picking three players uh, for this tournament. You know, you had the middle selection. Dylan picked John Rom, Jordan Spieth, and DJ finished five over par, and Jordan Spieth didn't make the cut. You picked Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris who was also kind of a non-factor all day. He, he had some shots, but it was hard to see him struggle. And Cam Smith, who finished 18 under. Myself, who uh, went with Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, tried to pick Hideki Matsuyama, who was two over, but between Thomas and Morikawa, they were five under on the day or on the week. And Liu Sazen, very publicly and notably, played with Tiger day one and said, yeah, that's it for me. I'm not coming back day two. Uh, and withdrew after one round. So having said that, in light of upcoming events, both Dylan's uh, health-related protocol issues and uh, the likelihood that I may or may not miss an upcoming segment, your boy will dedicate some time to prepare for a five-minute segment. You should already be in receipt of my 50 bucks to make sure you get all meted up. And to that, I tip my cap and congratulate you. Dude, no, we, I think the company is going to pay for that. Those ain't the rules. Oh. I need Dylan to pay you in pesos when he gets back. Okay. We're, we're changing I'll, requ the I'll request him. I'll, how about, I'll request him after the pod. Kick, <laughs> kick, him, while he's, kick him while he's down. He's probably I in think, an ice bath right now. I think it's, I think it's appropriate. Maybe, uh, maybe our next sponsor can help him recover mentally. Yeah. Um, let's say what's up to our good friends at Headspace. I mean, where do you start? Are your thoughts running in endless circles in your mind? I, I will pull back the curtain. I did not do my little uh, quick end of night meditation last night. Slept fairly poorly. A lot of that was storm induced. I did get woken up by a surprise storm. Shout out to South Austin. Got some much needed rain. But man, I was stressed. I was stressing hard. The stresses of this last year, it's more important than ever to practice living healthier and happier, having a happier life. So what if in a few minutes... That's all it took to change your relationship with stress and anxiety, transforming your life for the better. That's the power of meditation with Headspace. Our thoughts can be confusing enough. Meditation does not have to be. Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises to relieve your stress and anxiety and help you get a good night's sleep all in one app, making it easy to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. And it's one of the most science-backed meditation apps in the world. Proving meditation does work. A study proves in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. 14%, that's an unbelievable number. I love the SOS mini meditations for a quick breather. I do those at night. 
they relieve my stress. They bring me a little moment of peace amongst all the all the flipping chaos. KJ, you know what I'm talking about? These kids and Twitter and stuff. Absolutely do. As our listeners know, as I'm expecting uh, child number two, we've been uh, you know, wrestling with the decision of where we're moving in a month or so, uh, coming up with ideas for a new vehicle that's big enough to fit the family. All of these plates to spin on top of focusing on uh, the day-to-day grind. The daily, uh, so the mini SOS, uh, mini meditations have been critical to make sure I can kind of not be an absolute jerk at the end of the day, unwind, bring my best self home each day is, is what I would just call it. So uh, find some headspace at headspace.com slash bang, get one month free of their entire meditation library. The, that is uh, headspace.com slash bang. This is the their best, best offer. Correct. So go to headspace.com slash bang today. Thank you, KJ. Uh, anything else on uh, masters? I do want to just say Butler cabin delivered as it always does. Yes. Just had uh, poor Hideki. He doesn't really know much English. He's a sweetheart. Uh, apparently he nailed his speech at the champions dinner. Apparently the, the menu was fantastic. Everybody liked it, but man, trying to put that jacket on big old lumbering Scotty. <laughs> and that's a Scotty wronged him. That was not on Hideki. I don't think. So he did no. the classic, like, uh, if you can't no, see it at home, I'm like. Uh, non-dominant arm first. And I think he went dominant arm first, which is a mistake. Like you can't leave, if you're right-handed and you leave your left hand with like whatever limited rotation that yeah. you've got on there to bend back into the coat. Secondly, it's never going to turn out well. You got to recognize which arm has more range of motion. Exactly. And uh, exactly. that that's the one that goes in second. <laughs> Um, that was amazing. And then Kat, I, anything else on Tiger? Like, I feel like we didn't talk about him enough. I know it was, it was insane. What his walk on 18, I, you're yes, I'm a sports crier. I did tear up because I just had the thought. I'm like, man, what if this is it? I knew it won't, it won't be it, but I'm like, what if this is it? What if he just maxed it out so hard and he just did some irreversible permanent damage to that jacked up leg and we never see him on the course again. I had that thought. Um, I, I think it's definitely made us realize like, Hey, we've got to start actually embracing and enjoying when we've got like the greatest playing in front of us. I think other sports have began to kind of realize that, you know, Tampa, Tom Brady has, uh, given football play football fans, that ability or that opportunity, I should say twice. I think golf has gotten that opportunity right now, uh, with tiger. So I think soaking it all in has been, uh, been critical. Yeah. We haven't, we didn't talk about it enough. I would say if there were three storylines, you know, coming out of the weekend, obviously Scheffler dominated all of them, but the way that Cam Smith started and finished is probably number two. And then Tiger overarching the entire weekend and being back, so to speak, uh, is number one. Uh, but I think that um, the amount of respect and love that all of the other players on the tour give Tiger, including Scotty Scheffler, is like, I wear his shoes. I'm wearing a Tiger shirt. I play his irons him being there means so much to me and the rest of the guys on the tour, like that unequivocal respect is just absolutely incredible to see. Uh, so shouts to him. Glad he's back. Shouts to him and, and shouts to the 12th hole, which was Cam Smith's demise. Uh, once again, it absolutely changes the tournament and I'll never understand it till I, till I stand on that tee um, or near it and just see it. Cause it's the shortest part three on the course. And 
I don't know what Cam was doing because it looked like he was lined up right, like he was going to try to sling a draw in there to that pin, which is not what you do. If you listen to Tiger and Jack, they say just play it on Sunday, play it over the bunkers, middle of the green. Do not go with that pin. You see guys with a you know a nine iron, an eight iron, go right at that pin and leave it short. Cam chunked that. He had to have, right? Because he didn't even touch the other side. It just went dead into the water, but – Good God, it was that was tough. I felt I, when they showed the slow mo when they went to commercial of his face when he knew it. Oh man, oh, that was without tough. showing the ball, you could track the ball in your mind watching his face. Yeah, like it hit hit its apex, and you could tell the moment. Yep, in which it wasn't going any further, he just melted. It wasn't even close. <laughs> Shout out to his family. Hey, uh, what hole is it where? And it might be sixteen. There's another small creek, crick, if you will, but it's not, you know, a full situation. But watching the caddies, like, try to traverse that, like, hopping over it, one foot hop it, I'm like, yeesh. Oh, is that 13? Uh, yeah. They showed somebody. Somebody was down there. Uh, the It's the par five. And it's the one that you can go for in two. And that's all of them, really. But, yeah, somebody oh. tried to do, like, the classic, like, little hop over, which is Jeff kind of a caddy. muni move. And I was just like, okay, uh, I get it. You know, you've got it. You did have it, but if you didn't have it, <laughs> you are now a meme. Yeah. Your, an, your ankle has been broken, my friend. In an all white freaking caddy gear. Like now you're muddy and, and wet. That wouldn't have been good. All right. Let's, uh, let's do a little bit of basketball real quick. I think we'll, we'll sprint through the finish on these, these next few topics because, uh, regular season is over. Uh, I have talked about it the last few weeks, but the NBA MVP race has been of interest, not because, you know, uh, Doncic was kind of close within the last five or six months of the season, whatever, didn't start strong, but because of the proximity between Nikola Jokic, Giannis, and Joel Embiid throughout the season, it's just ridiculous. StatMuse put out a tremendous side-by-side comparison between the three. Um, Nikola Jokic playing without, uh, Michael Porter Jr. And without, uh, Murray all season long, still put up 27, 14 and eight, uh, and basically dominated both advanced stats, basic stats, advanced stats plus and random stats over Giannis and Joel, Joel. um, he won 30 out of 40 categories between the three of them. Um, I get it. We don't love going back to back. European players often have to, you know, fight for their respect in the league, but there's just no getting by just how dominant of a player he is to do that. And in the West from the center position. Yeah, that's the re I mean, that was the obvious reason I didn't want Dallas to end up with, uh, Denver in the what first if, round. Yeah. He played Denver. Yeah. He's just a whore. I mean, he's a whole horrible matchup for them because they they've got, serviceable bigs Dwight Powell's been awesome but cannot guard him like does they just they don't have a guy who can take that not many do um exactly and yeah I'm I'm god I'm looking at these stats these are insane and Jokic (laughs) has done this without yeah with with limited with a limited team around him Um, it's been interesting to see the uh rise of how that team's been put together because they've been them and the Jazz have always been interesting because they've got stars. Clearly, they have stars. They have bigs. They had point guards on both teams, but they've always rotated the pieces and stayed consistently in that two through four seed in the West. And 
it's just obviously I'm rooting for them for the Mavericks. My money may be on the Grizzlies and my interest may be on seeing as much John Morant in the playoffs as possible. Um, but I would not hate an opportunity to see Jokic get a ring uh, and or see Jokic versus Giannis or Jokic versus Joel yep. in the finals would be tremendous. If it's either of those teams out of the East, I want to see Jokic in that moment. That would be, that would be ideal. I think for the NBA or the uh, NBA, <clears throat> if they could get, if Jokic can get in there against one of those two guys, per, I don't know. I think Giannis would be really, really fun just watching those two battle, but the big story in Dallas and I guess around the league, I go to bed last night before the first half even started or before the first half even ended thinking, okay, whatever, this game doesn't mean anything. They're locked into the fourth seed based on the scoreboard. Fine. Wake up due to the thunderstorm. Go check my phone as I always do to make sure there's no, nothing super severe coming my way that I need to be aware of and uh, see some Lucas stuff out there and, Luca has had a uh, a calf injury. I see in the second half of the game. Yes, he was playing in the last game of the season, which at that time I think was relatively meaningless. Um, I think Golden that, State was up like twenty points at that point. That's that's the big thing. I, I want to make sure we don't bash too hard because, like we just established, you wanted to do whatever's possible to face the Jazz instead of the Nuggets. Both are going to be tough, but the Mavs match up way better with the jazz than they do the nuggets and having home home court advantage over the jazz. They've, they've been undefeated against them at home. So there was reason for Luca to play. You have the odd added factor that Luca got a real ticky tacky technical. Thanks for alliteration on Friday. That would have been a 16th on the season and kept him out of playing on Sunday by rule. You're suspended of the following your 16th technical during the regular season. That slate renews for the playoffs. That technical foul was rescinded thanks uh, you know, to some appeal, including like voice vocal uh, opposers like Kevin Durant getting on Twitter being like that. There was no foul called. Shout out Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is uh, endearing himself to the Dallas uh, fan base of late, both for supporting uh, Dorian Finney-Smith's talents, for Dwight um, Powell's yep. Uh, Achilles recovery, and now for this uh, love of Luca and respecting Luca across the board, I think people are enjoying that Katie's online. But anyways, I guess we're just gonna have to get him to Dallas here in the next year or two. <laughs> okay, uh, but getting Luca eligible to play because he wasn't gonna play was a big win for the Mavericks because then they could try to control their destiny and either get the third seed or potentially avoid playing the Jazz or the Nuggets. And then this to happen in the second half. Yikes. We don't know the severity. He's getting an MRI today. I speculation. Like, you know, there's always there's like the NBA doctors or the doctors who do sports medicine that are big on Twitter. And some are I saw one guy, it could be a few days, it could be a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know. I, I still haven't gone back and watched it. I don't it's not like I would be able to tell anything, but it was significant enough for him to immediately be like, yep, that's it. Get, let's go back to the training room. And that sucks. I, you know, I, if I had to guess what happens, he misses the first couple games. And I think Dallas is Dallas's team is deep enough to, I think they can get one at home against the jazz uh, shorthanded. I, I do. Um, Cause they're, they're a three point shooting. They shoot the three pointer. I don't know where they're at in the, in the rankings, but they shoot it well. 
and if if they get anything out of Maxi Kleber's, they're one of their big men who coincidentally didn't play last night. Uh, then they're going to be a tough out. He's been pretty awful uh, this season with his shot, but you know, Bullock has been great. Dorian Finney-Smith's been great. Jalen's always great. And if they can get something from Dinwiddie, that's a pretty serviceable starting five. And I don't know. I don't need, I've been kind of sick about it. I had trouble falling back asleep thinking about this last night because that is just absolute worst case scenario. Again, the roller coaster of emotions on my timeline for the weekend. Again, you've got Rangers starting their season, you know, dropping a couple games, putting up a bunch of runs early in both games and losing into losing to Toronto and losing two out of three. But, you know, whatever. It's baseball. A lot of people care. Um, 200 games left in the season to get it right. A ton of people in my timeline I'm real excited about Key Brian Hayes and his eight-year, $70 million deal with the Pirates. I know I was excited about that. Um, you really were. You were texting me. <laughs> all over it. But then you go from just optimism to the elation of golf Twitter here in Dallas, being excited for Scotty Scheffler to finishing off Sunday night like this. Cliches and puns aside, like Sunday scaries, we're almost averted. You've got a you know, master Sunday, no sweeter weekend to rest your little head and come into Monday all sprightly and excited and uh, hit the Dallas sports scene with this was pretty shitty. Well, it's also shitty real quick. Tim McMahon, Twitter, like him, met him. Good dude. He's a writer for uh, covers the NBA for ESPN. Uh, previously worked with Dallas morning news, I believe. Immediately after the injury, the Mavs PR released that Luca left calf strain will not return tonight. Tim McMahon quote tweets it. This obviously puts Luca's start of this, you know, postseason you know, in jeopardy. And I'm like, okay, not obviously five minutes after the entry. Didn't look pretty. The Mavs get the shittiest start time to their playoffs. They start at noon on Saturday, the first playoff game, noon on Saturday. So average return time anywhere from three days. Median's been 17 days. Mm. It's, it's, you know, you're going to just have to hope for somewhere in the middle. Um, but I would say across the board, it ain't worth rushing yet, but we'll see. Something to think about those numbers, like the median numbers, average numbers, whatever. That's during the regular season, and Correct. I'm sure they're always over, you know, bit playing it safe and had, you know, had those same injuries, whoever they might be, people who had calf strains, been in the playoffs, they would have gutted it out and tried to do it. And I, I, I bet Luca traditionally has been that guy. He's played in those Clippers series with a jacked up neck um, that was clearly affecting him. Uh, he's he's going to do everything he can to play Saturday. I, I would not want to be the person who tells him, like, no, you're going to be out at least two games in this series. Because I think I – think, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's likely, but I would not be shocked if he goes out there. And even if he's just a not – a, not a decoy, but even if he's just at 75%, he's going to require a double team at times and – their best, the other team, Utah's best defender, and that's going to make him very important out there, even if he's not able to be explosive, as explosive as Luca can be, or, you know, Luca who's driving it to the rack. And I don't know. It sucks. I've tried to not think about it all day and not refresh Twitter, but uh, it's been tough last night. It's going to demand a lot out of uh, Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba because Rudy Gobert just becomes that much more effective uh, when you don't have Luca coming to the lane to be another threat. 
Um, real quick, we do have play-in games set up for this week. A reminder how the NBA works. I'm sure you can look at ESPN.com, figure it out, but whatever. Uh, funnier thing about the, the Lakers not making the playoffs is the fact that 10 teams are now a part of the playoff picture, and the Lakers ain't one of them. Uh, but in the West, you've got the Pelicans and the Spurs, Timberwolves and the Clippers. East, you have the Hawks and the uh, Hornets. And then number seven seed, uh, and the eighth seed, the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers would be an interesting situation. So, again, in the seven and eight seed games, the winner is automatically the seventh seed. The loser gets another opportunity to play the winner of the nine ten game uh, to become the eighth seed in the playoffs. So, uh, you're looking at the likelihood of the Nets probably playing the Cav or the uh, Celtics. If for some reason the Nets screw up and lose, which wouldn't be the worst decision, but they likely would play the uh, Hawks and then have to play Jimmy Butler and uh, Kyle Murray. Not Kyle Murray. What is his name? Why Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Thank you. Uh, in the Heat, I will be very interested in seeing that uh, matchup if, if we get that. Otherwise, I want Trey Young in the Heat. That'd be exciting. I don't like the, the Heat at all. I hate it. I just can't stand a number of their players. I want Atlanta to somehow end up in the eighth seed, and I want I want Trey against Miami. I know the Hawks the Hawks are a little bit down, little roster change midseason. I still want to see what Trey can do because he can win a series. I think he proved last year. Granted, it was the Knicks; they were not a one seed, but he can win. He can drive a series against the Heat to seven games. I think if we get Timberwolves and the Grizzlies, that might be the round one matchup of the, of, of the, whatever, of the best matchup of round one, John Morant, Anthony Edwards is going to be electric television. Uh, man, if I'm a, if I'm a Grizz fan, I want Pat Beverly nowhere near jaw at all. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That, that would be a, a big distraction. Um, okay. So let's shift gears a little bit on NBA. Oh, odds are all over the place. We can check back on the odds once the, uh, the tournament's set next week. F1. We're three races into the season. Um, I agonized all weekend thinking that I misspoke and said uh, Monaco was the race, the track that I didn't like, and then maybe it was Monza or some shit, and I'm like, ah. Turns out I was right because I'm just a big F1 guy. Uh, Ferrari and Leclerc, second win on the season. Pole position, finished first, fastest lap. Things are looking good for them. George Russell, first podium for Mercedes. Hamilton finished fourth. Mercedes cars are clearly still not where they want them, not as competitive as they were last year. Ferrari's just doing very well. Uh, Perez um, and Red Bull finished second. Verstappen, second out of three races this year, did not finish. Um so, of course, there's a lot of discussion on the modifications to the car and the car being right and all of that back and forth complaining. I'm sure things will uh, even out by the end of the year, but it's just been an interesting first few weeks for Team Verstappen. I'm very interested in is how embarrassing is that to not finish like two or three races for what a lot of not people think is the best driver in the world. How and, and no wreck, no, no. Dicey situation. If anything, he's been driving 
extremely aggressive, as aggressive as he was down the stretch with Hamilton. He was doing that coming out of some starts. Um, uh, cause there were a lot of flat caution flags. Um, I don't know if call them caution flags, whatever. There were a lot of restarts in this race and he was being as aggressive as ever. And eventually just his car caught fire. He's like, I smell some weird fuel, uh, fuel fumes, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they're having to put a fire out in this car. So I don't know what the fuck's going on with Red Bull, but it ain't pretty. No. Um, I'm assuming they're filming Drive to Survive, right? 100%. That's going to be off, but that's going on right now, too, for golf. Yeah. I'm, that, I'm really interested in the golf, see if it's anything like Drive to Survive as far as the access and kind of the unfiltered nature. But no, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what kind of guy Verstappen is behind closed doors. Uh, but I do want to hear, I do want to know what he's saying to that team. Like, cause that is so embarrassing for a guy of his, a racer, a driver, a racer. I'm gonna call him a racer, uh, a driver of his caliber to just two of the first three races. You just don't finish. Wish this shit wasn't on at midnight. I tried to stay up. I was watching UFC and that card ended just after midnight. And I thought about parlaying it into another drink at my house and just watching it. And then I was like, you know what? Why? <laughs> well, if you didn't, then uh, ESPN proper fucked a lot of viewers because their scheduled re um, showing of it, because obviously you're filled with masters and NBA finishing off on Sunday was slated to be like 7 PM on Sunday night. That didn't happen. Mm. Like, it got pushed. I don't know if it happened until like eight o'clock and people were uh, not very pleased on the TL for that. So they got bumped. They did get bumped. So Tough. not what you want to see for what you want to view as the most popular sport in the world uh, by growth. Now um, let's do a little sports party. And how about that? You trying to party right now? I think we should party. This is the segment on the too much dip podcast where we talk about sports and we party at the same time. All right. So I'm going to ask for something a little atypical. If you can, uh, you know, just quiet down real quick. Cause we have to start all sports parties with, uh, you know, uh, in the best way, a toast, if you will. And uh, I'm going to let um, Gil Brandt, Hall of Fame uh, GM and executive for the NFL, lead us off with his toast. Anytime anybody is killed or anybody dies, uh, but he was a guy that was living to be dead, so to speak. Uh, you know, they told him, don't under any circumstances leave school early. You just, you just don't have the work habits. You don't have this. You don't have that. What do you do? Left school early. Uh, I always can remember this. Uh, we invited players to the draft. And he was one of the players we invited to the draft. And uh, he, we were told, no, uh, uh, we're, uh, we're going to have our own party. His own party was uh, a party at the bowling alley, charged him 50 bucks to get into the bowling alley for his party and with that said i would like to say too much dip humbly humbly rest in peace to Dwayne haskins humbly I, as well humbly would like to say rest in peace to 24 year old Dwayne haskins hit by a vehicle in florida while jogging at night um unfortunate loss of a young life first round draft pick of the redskins Tremendous player at Ohio State and, you know, there before. Prime example of I think everyone's opinion of an athlete can be overly 
swayed by what their expectations of that athlete are and not by the actual quality of the person and or the performance of the person. Um, coupling that with just absolute idiocracy when you let 80 year olds continue commenting on uh, anything. No, 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 KJ. 90 year olds. 90 year olds. Gilbrandt is 90. And I was going to say, this goes to prove my theory. You should just never interview a 90 year old. I'm okay with like the, I know 90s probably outside of that demo, but like old school World War II vets. Let's see what they have to say. You know, this is a cool story. Uh, don't need to hear from, I don't need to hear 90 year olds takes on uh, modern day NFL stuff because that is just completely, I, there, I don't know. It, it, it was just weird. It was, there was, I mean, we haven't even talked about Schefter's tweet, which he got universally yeah. roasted for because it's just, dude, you don't have to put the positive. There's a time and place for the, I love a positive. It's part of my, my literary background. I love doing that. You didn't need to put that in there. We don't need to know about his struggles with multiple teams in the NFL. Like he hasn't caught on yet. Okay, man. You could just report the, the news. Don't editorialize. Fucking Schefter. Schefter's taking a lot of L's this year. It makes it just as bad. Like, I think it highlights that you also don't necessarily need to throw in Hall of Fame or once rushed for 2,000 yards, rest in peace, juice. Like, we don't need that first part. You can just establish that this person has passed away at this age, our thoughts, blah, 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 with the family, children, you know, those that are still alive and with their heads. Um, you, don't, but so- you, don't, you don't need to add in Uber driver does X, Y, Z or whatever. I don't know why I'm picking on Uber, but I feel like that's always in the headlines. <laughs> like you unnecessarily throw in the occupation and you think that you're like identifying them to the public, but at a certain level, the context should give that away. You can make a whole separate statement that's full of uh, let's look back on the life of or the career of or, you know, the performances of and do all your talking there. But obviously Gil Brandt, Adam Schefter, they were told EAD by enough people out there, you know, add us to the list. Good start to the party. Man, I, I don't know anything about Haskins back, like how he grew up, if he grew up like poor or anything, but like, Obsessed with Ohio State. Like, I, I called his shot to be their quarterback like at the age of like seven or something like that. That's awesome. I, you know, it's just fun. like thinking about that Gil Brandt quote. It's like, man, I, I wonder why he wanted to come out of college early. I wonder if it's so he could go make millions of dollars <laughs> and then provide for like his family. I, I'm, it's just that's just such a bad. I don't if, even if know if it's like a financial hardship situation or as much as it was like probably tired of being talked to by people like Gil Brandt and told what he had to do every day of his life in college. Pretty amazing. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, that That's sad. I didn't realize he was jogging. I didn't know the details. So he was like literally just because he was down there with the other uh, Steelers quarterbacks and skill players, right? They were just kind of doing some kind of uh, little camp down there. I don't know there. the full context, but all I know is a single single vehicle uh, accident. He was hit while running on the side of the road. Did uh, I? Frankly, I don't even. You know, it, it could come out that he had bath salts in his body and wasn't wearing any reflective clothing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh well, he earned it. You know? Yeah. No, I hope not. I'm sure somebody would. Mm-hmm. Um, his insurance providers probably. Yeah, man. Remember <laughs> bath salts? You know, I feel like Florida was ground zero for bath salts. Bring them. Bring that beat back. Um, shout out to Drew Holiday. We've talked NBA already, but the uh, guard for the Milwaukee Bucks earned 225K by f- committing one foul in 13 seconds and exiting the game. 
I enjoy all stupid contract incentives that are, you know, uh, earned by just checking into a game or, you know, catching one reception at the end of an NFL season or taking a knee or whatever it might be uh, half a sack away from a bonus. Like I get why they're put in there. I just loved when they're so clearly exploited um, to where the other, the player on the other team like knows and is like joking with the player. Like, oh, I'm not going to let you foul me and I'm make this hard and you laughing about it when it happens. So happy to see that. That was fun. That stuff's always um, funny. I moved the Frank Vogel being fired in Los Angeles down to a sports party because I feel like we, uh, we also fall victim to talking a little too much about the Lakers, but then at times I'm like greatest player of all times on a team. That's absolute trash. Won a title two years ago and has multiple players. That we all think are great at some point in their career and they uh, are trash beyond all compare. Bro. Are you, did you say these LeBron's the greatest player of all time? Are you are you saying he's the GOAT, bro? Arguably. Okay. If you want to do the GOAT debate, we can do it, man. I'm uh, not afraid to go. Hey, is this note true that the Pacers really are, have interest in Westbrook? Can you imagine? No. Carlisle and Westbrook? Imagine. No. Absolutely. That does not work. I I hope that it happens. Like Westbrook isn't James Harden, but he seems like the type that like you work well with him, but not against him. Or that's stupid to say, but like you will be much better guiding like everyone else around him than you are demanding him to do anything. And that is not how Rick Carlisle well, operates. And just his style of play. Like there's a, I mean, having seen enough of Rick Carlisle, the Rick Carlisle, Carlisle years here in Dallas to know, like, he does not tolerate uh, wild-ass point guards who get fast and loose with the ball, take bad shots. There's a reason he doesn't really let rookies play all that much. Um, he does not trust – I don't know. That's That would be hilarious. Um, I don't know, though. I love Russ as a – I like the, 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 the thought of Russ. It's just like, dude, I don't know where he fits now in this NBA. It reminds me of just watching some of the best big men in the league, like slowly be irrelevant. Like Mello, I would say was your last spot up shooter to really be just an absolute star from mid range. Uh, Russ would be your last like high volume, high turnover ratio, win a scoring title, win a triple double title and like be applauded for it because I don't think anyone's going to tolerate that anymore. So with that, we're a couple weeks out from the NFL draft. Obviously, there's continuing to be a few different trades here and there. Still no movement on the Baker Mayfield watch. So we'll get back to you on that. But let's finish it off with the combat sports minute. Yeah, just real quick. Um, we had uh, we had a lot going on in the combat sports world. We had uh, a Danny Garcia fight. He, of course, uh, made he's probably the most Instagram TikTok friendly boxer in the game. Post his workouts there. They're crazy, crazy fast hands. Um, and he fought a guy. I don't a guy recently turned pro. I think out of Ghana, it, who has a lot of heart. But I think Danny Garcia had no problems. Uh, Triple G, Triple G. My, I mean, he's been my favorite boxer for years. Uh, goes to Japan. A fight that was supposed to happen last year and it didn't because of COVID. Uh, goes over there, fights Murata in his hometown or in his home country. And hasn't fought in 
a long time, had some ring rust. It was a good fight early. Murata came out pretty hard. Uh, Triple G stops him, TKO in the ninth round. So that's important because Canelo, uh, assuming he wins his next fight, you will have the trilogy fight, the Canelo-Triple G trilogy that Triple G wants. I don't think Canelo really wants just because he thinks he has nothing to prove there. Their first fight was a very, 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 very uh, well-documented, like, okay, not well. I don't want to say that. Triple G probably won the first fight, but it was um, split decision. It was scored in one, oh, split decision, but wasn't it scored heavily in Canelo's favor? But everybody, nobody argued with the outcome as much as they did with the scoring, right? With that? Yeah. Or was I, it the other way around? I want to make sure I'm not. Yeah, the meter. Okay, yeah. Canelo obviously won uh, the rematch. That was majority decision. A draw is what I'm looking for. I said split decision. Uh, I always screw that up for some reason. But yeah, that was the one where it was like a draw and people were like, oh, we're protecting Canelo, our cash cow here. Can't can't have him having two losses on the ledgers, first being to Floyd um, when he was just a kid. But anyway, so we're going to get that third fight in it. Triple G's 40. Uh, he's His hands aren't what they, I mean, he's still got power. He showed it against Murata, but like Canelo's just a different animal. Canelo's... Peaking now, and so Canelo's what thirty-four. Yeah, he's much younger. I think he's early thirties. Um, but I don't know. I want. I'd love to see Triple G go out, go out there and stop Canelo. It's very unlikely. What really happens is Triple G gets he goes out on his shield, and that's it. That's a career. Jeez, Canelo he's 31. thirty-one. Sixty fights, fifty-seven wins, thirty-nine by knockout. Yeah, it, it it's obviously a bag for both of them, um, but just the utter lack of, you know, arguable, like who else to fight right now type thing is what I feel like that, div that division is facing. Um, not that I know a ton about boxing, but I feel like at least a name would bubble up to where I'd hear it often enough just to hear about it. So uh, I won't... Uh, I don't know. It depends. It's, it's what in the fall, it's October, right? So, you know, depends on what pac 12 after dark game is happening. If Hawaii and San Diego state are playing or something, you know, I might look for the crack streams to catch it, but <laughs> uh, you know, I, I keep closer tabs. I would say on Errol Spence and, and his uh, efforts to finally get back to trying to like, we got uh, Spence fighting this weekend. So keep an eye. Weekend, he's what still probably a fight or two away from maybe fighting bud if Spent, that ever happened uh yeah i mean it would it would it would be if it would be the, it would be the end of the year or the following year i don't like know he I've, would dominate this fight fight somebody well i don't know who next i don't even think he really? needs to dominate this fight because ugas this is going to be a really good fight ugas is badass uh so if he if he just wins and it's a close one like that doesn't do anything for the terrence Crawford potential. That is just at this point being held up. I mean, depending on who you listen to is promoters. Um promoters and one untimely car accident. Exactly. One 149 mile an hour Ferrari flip. Which nobody was held accountable for. All right. Let's uh let's get out of here. Oh yeah, and also RIP Korean zombie. I uh Oh yes, yeah, bad. I forgot we were talking about. No, Triple no, no. G that that's okay. I I think so he lost to uh, Volkanovski over the weekend. He was clearly outmatched. 
and her uh, shout out Herb Dean for stopping that fight. And after the fight, he was crying hysterically. It was, there was a presumption that that's it for him. That's his second shot at the title and he's lost both of them. And it's like, he's also 39 or 40 years old and he's the Korean zombie because he takes a lot of punishment. And it's like, man, you can't keep doing that. So that might've been it. I don't know if he's officially said if he's hanging them up, but shout out to, to the Korean zombie. I know the Caucasian zombie, Will DeFreeze was very upset to learn about that result. So 35 years old, 17 and seven record, but yeah, Volkanovsky 24 and one. Volkanovsky's a wild boy, dude. Uh, former rugby player, fights at that weight. He used to be over 200 pounds. I think it's just insane that a guy can lose that much weight and be still a world-class athlete. It doesn't make any sense to me. And now he's saying he might move up. He's a badass. He's, he's really quick, and he's tough as hell. And he just looks like a guy that if you saw him at a bar – he would probably be drunk and obnoxious and you wouldn't want to say a thing to, cause he has got headbutt you vibes written all over him. Rugby, I, Australia. Yeah. I'd spot the cauliflower ear from a mile away and he and I would not be on the same half of the bar at any point in time. No. Okay. KJ. Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be on kid watch with you. Keep us posted. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see y'all next week. I want my chips with the dip. That's all I know. I don't want my chips playing. I want my chips with the dip. So bring them dips.